You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, I'm Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota, and it's the first weekend in May, and we're still locked at home for the coronavirus COVID-19 Minnesota lockdown. And I was really hoping that it would be over tonight, but now it's going to be extended for two more weeks. Let's be patient. Anyway, welcome to church. Uh, glad you could come worship with us. We're going to do communion today. So what we need you to do is to go get yourself some crackers and some juice or um, like for bread, maybe the uh, heel would be best. Uh, ideally, if you could get the perfect stuff, it would be some form of unleavened bread, uh, no yeast. But if that's not what you have, then whatever you have is fine. Uh, something to represent the body of Christ, bread, and something to represent the blood of Christ. So juice, grape juice, cranberry juice, uh, wine, I guess. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, maybe you want to put this on pause, go get your communion stuff, and in a little bit we will take communion together. So how can we pray for you? We have a Facebook group, uh, My River Rock, which is a private Facebook community group that you can put prayer requests on. We have a church management system called Realm that you can put prayer requests on. And when you add that, then a notification goes out to everybody on the prayer list. Um, you can send um, text messages to um, the church, to the church phone number, to 952-873-5453. Um, how can we pray for you? We want to pray for you. So let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've given us this life. I thank you that you've given us this day to live. I thank you that you've given us freedom to hear your word, to share your word digitally, to um, um, be encouraged to grow. Lord, I pray that you would use this video, that you'd use this message to touch people's lives. I know that is not a um, complete exposition of planting, of sowing, planting, and reaping, but it should be enough to encourage us during this difficult time to follow after you and serve you. Lord, I pray for jobs, for people that need jobs. I pray for health for those who are sick and for those who are taking care of sick people. Lord, I pray for a cure for the coronavirus. I pray that there would be a vaccine that would be effective without side effects, something that's already in existence that we know um, doesn't uh, have dangers if you take it. Lord, I pray that we would be able to uh, have large groups getting together again. I pray that there would be large celebrations and birthday parties and anniversaries and um, that um, there would be uh, sports and concerts and uh, that we would glorify you in all of it, that we would never lose sight in how frail and fragile uh, we are and how life is uncertain. Lord, I pray that if anybody here is watching and they don't know you as our Lord and Savior, that they would pray and ask you how how to make that happen, how they can come into a personal relationship with you and enjoy all the benefits of that. I pray that I would explain that during today's video, Lord. I just thank you so much for these people who are watching. I pray that you would encourage us during this difficult time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our part of a group of churches across the world called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and we are about missions and church planting. And watch this video from the Christian and Missionary Alliance for our missions moment today. 
This COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted our lives and it has left no segment of society untouched. Here in this country and all over the world, we're all facing a lot of challenges. But we're part of something big in the Alliance. I don't want us to forget that in this moment. We have 2,000 churches here in this country and 700 workers around the world who are bringing gospel presence in a very weird and difficult situation. But amid all this bad news, God's doing something new, like Isaiah 43 says. In fact, just this week, I heard from some of my friends who said that the place that they've been serving for the last nine years has seen little to no receptivity to the gospel. But because of what's going on with the virus, there's new openness in the last two weeks. Another of your workers who's leading a small church plant, averaging 50 to 100 on a really good Sunday, has seen thousands of people joining their live stream every week to hear about Jesus, many of whom for the very first time. See, God's doing something special in this time. Great Commission Day is a long tradition in the Alliance. Normally we send out packets and all those things, but this is a different kind of year and we're doing it differently. We're going digital and everybody has an opportunity to engage. You're gonna hear and see 10 different stories of caring and chaos from IWs around the world. Our video team can't go, they're filming it themselves and you'll see them pop up on social media and on the website. You have opportunities to engage in giving and supporting the workers who are staying in place and who need to extend gospel presence in those places. And knowing that we're in a unique time, a generous donor came forward and said, in this moment, I'm giving $250,000 as a matching gift. So the first $250,000 that comes in, friends, over these next weeks will be matched dollar for dollar to ensure that gospel presence is extended and established in all of these places around the world. Will you join these workers in ensuring that the church advances even in this strange time? We are all facing a lot of uncertainty in these days. So coming to you and asking for missions giving feels a little weird, to be honest. But it's what's necessary because Jesus isn't done. He's not nervous and he's calling us to engage and to join these workers, your workers around the world and bringing the gospel to all kinds of places, even unexpected ones. No gift is too small. Whatever God is leading you to do will be matched. And together we can see what it looks like as a church to care in the middle of chaos. Communion is remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, and he told us to remember him. You know, in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, it says about Jesus, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the sins of us all. It was planned that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. It was planned that Jesus would rise again and offer us this free gift of salvation by believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And what a great gift that is. Watch this video about what Jesus has done for us to help you get into the communion 
uh, mood to help you think about communion. You know, communion is actually a great time to um, ask the Holy Spirit if there's any sin in your life that you need to confess, anything that's keeping you from being blessed, anything that's keeping you from the deepest fellowship with the Lord. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you of any sin, then confess that. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe you would pray, Lord, is there anything in my life that uh, doesn't honor you? Is there anything in my life that's considered sinful? Is there anything that I've been doing that I need to stop or that I need to confess? And then do that. Do that through prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Um, maybe you've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the first thing you need to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. A great way to acknowledge that belief is through prayer, praying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow after you. And then seek to change your ways. Seek to find out what the Bible says about how you should live the Christian life. Maybe you want to get one of our new believers, New Testaments, that have all sorts of notes on how to live the Christian life. We would be glad to help you get one of those if you're local. Uh, local, if you live nearby, not Spanish, not crazy. If you live nearby and uh, if you're far away, maybe we can send you links to digital resources. So just let us know. All right, so watch this communion video. All right, in 1 Corinthians 11.23, in 1 Corinthians 11:23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, verse 25, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then we're told in verse 26 that we're to do this until Jesus returns. Uh, what a great thing. So let's do that now. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you died on the cross for our sins. I thank you that you rose again. I thank you that you can help us to follow you, help us to live for you, help us to live the life that you created us to live, to uh, fulfill the purposes that you have made us for. Lord, I thank you for uh, the fact that you help us through the power of your spirit. I thank you that you help us to do good works. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's take the bread. And let's drink from the cup. Which represents Jesus' body and blood. You know, it's important to remember what Jesus has done. This is one of the things that Jesus told us we're to do repeatedly over and over again. It's a uh, visual enactment. It's a um, remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Colossians 1.19, about Jesus, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Colossians 1.22, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. 
So I just want to um, share a few thoughts that I have about this period of life that we're in. This strange period of life where um, if you're in Minnesota, you're supposed to be staying home. Uh, yes, people are going to the grocery store. People are going to the hardware store. People are going different places, but ideally you're supposed to quarantine yourself, stay at home. And whether you agree with it or not, um, it is what the governor said. He's made the laws and Christians are supposed to obey the laws unless they totally conflict uh, what God's laws are. So anyway, so we are doing our best to honor that law and staying home. And for some of you, you are overwhelmed with busyness because you are doing work at home. You are doing homeschool at home. Uh, every kid is a homeschooler now. You are doing uh, everything at home and uh, you are not able to find extra time for yourself, a place to get away, a way to take a break. Others of you are bored to tears because you have nothing to do. You have no children to homeschool. You have no work to do at home. You're not sure of the future and you've run out of things to watch on Netflix and um, or whatever. Right now media. Uh, I don't think you could run out of things to watch on right now media for a long time. On YouTube, that's not, you're never going to run out of things to watch, but you might run out of worthwhile things to watch. So what are you doing with your time? How are you investing these seeds of time that we have? How are we investing our lives? How are you planting seeds for your future harvest, your financial harvest, your skill harvest, your employment harvest, your harvest of righteousness, your harvest of um, eternal rewards? What are you doing to invest into your future? So let me tell you a story real quick about a tree. So I'm not very good at holding the camera here, but as I'm walking along here, I'm, I'm walking towards this tree in my backyard. So when I first came and planted the church, that's another seed that I planted, planted River Rock Church back in, we arrived in 2001. All these houses around here were brand new and there was no landscaping and no trees. And so probably the only time in my life I've had the opportunity to make something out of nothing. So landscaping. If I would have known that I was going to be here as long as I would, I might have invested more in landscaping. But I planted three pine trees, uh, one for each kid, and those grew tall. Uh, then I planted two um, maple trees, a red maple and a silver maple. And I had this dog, this Australian Shepherd puppy who liked to chew on trees. And uh, she was ripping apart the bark on the... Um, the red maple and it died so I dug it up and threw it away. She did the same thing to the silver maple but I scolded her and tried to get her not to do it anymore and um, the tree I thought for sure was gonna die because I mean each year it had the scar on it and I thought that it was gonna die but I just left it and it grew and it grew and it grew into what it is now and actually uh, you can see this line here which is the scar from when it was like this little three inch tree and so it's gone through life um, growing and getting stronger and bigger and creating shade and uh, also a place for bugs some years I guess birds lots of birds have been in this tree but the scar is still there and when I look at that I think to myself you know a lot of us have scars in our lives a lot of us have things that we have gone through that I mean, we still fulfill our purpose. We're still strong, but there's a scar, and a lot of people don't even realize that it's there. Uh, this tree scar was because the dog tried to tear it apart, and it's still there. Um, the other thing about planting that I wanted to point out on this tree is that I didn't think it through. So I went to the, well, I went to Home Depot, and I bought two trees, and I threw them in the back of my truck and brought them home and planted them. I'm like, oh, those are pretty trees. That'll be lots of fun. 
but I didn't really look at how tall certain trees grow. And it turns out that, if I remember right, the silver maple record uh, in the state of Minnesota is like 105 feet high. I don't think this tree is 105 feet high. I know I had a 22-foot ladder up in it while I was trying to trim some branches, and there's a lot more tree left. So that thing's just going to keep growing and growing. And if I would have known it could be like an 80-foot high tree, I probably wouldn't have put it there. But it's there, and it's going to stay there. But think about what you plant. Um, sometimes when it seems like what you plant is not going to make it, if you give it time, it may, just like this tree, might have a scar. But... Um, and then uh, think about what the results are going to be. Think about, you know, how tall is this tree going to be? How tall, how big are these roots going to be? What are the roots going to do to my yard? Uh, what is this temptation? If I give into it, um, if, I, if, I seed, if I sow seeds to the flesh, um, to my fleshly desires, where is that going to lead? How is that going to grow? How could that mess up my life if I sow seeds of righteousness if I do good works, if I spend time in God's word, if I plant God's word, the seed of God's word in my heart and in other people's lives, what will that result in? You know, so many times we reap what we sow. So I wanted to talk about that. And I don't have much time because it's Communion Sunday and we had communion and I've got these videos and everything, but let's get going here. All right, so let's talk about what would you consider a life of significance? Okay, when your life is done, and you are looking back on it. Hopefully you're at the uh, heavenly water cooler, hanging out with other people, with Jesus, having a great time, thinking about your days on earth, if you remember that. Uh, what would make it truly successful? Obvi obviously, leading lost people to Christ and having them get saved, that's successful. That's one thing you want to do. Uh, getting stuff, getting eternal rewards for things that you did here uh, because you were faithful to give, because you were faithful to serve, because you prayed, because you led lost people to Jesus. Uh, so many things. But think about it. What would you consider a life of significance? When your life is done, uh, hopefully you're old and you're on the uh, front porch of the uh, safe retirement home, not the retirement home that's full of the coronavirus, and you are looking back on your life, or maybe you're on the other side of this life and you're at the heavenly water cooler, you're in eternity with Jesus, hanging out with everybody, thinking back on your life, thinking about, was my life successful? Um, who defines success? Success in God's eyes, success in um, what other people think of you. Do, you. do you think that if you were happy? I was totally happy. I don't have much to show for it. I didn't accomplish much, but I was happy. Is that success? Or what about achievement? What about achievement? Would you consider your achievements uh, your success? So you have uh, trophies and awards and certificates and degrees and um, all sorts of things to show titles all sorts of things to show for your life uh, would you consider that success you accomplished a lot you got a lot of degrees uh, people recognized all your hard work uh, is it significance uh, people knew that you were somebody of significance people knew that you mattered when you walked into the room everybody looked and said oh there you are is a life of significance, does that lead to success? Uh, would it be better to be a nobody that lives for Jesus than to be somebody that's well-known but not well-known for being godly? Did you see those thermometers that they have? Um, well, actually, um, 
one of our big local businesses here that makes countertops was on the news. And when you walk in to work, they have this digital scanner that uh, shows the person and then their temperature. So it's scanning their temperature as they walk in. And I guess if your temperature is too high, then you have to go talk to the nurse and find out why your temperature is too high. What if when you walked in church, the pastor could see your spiritual temperature? What if the pastor could see, oh, this person is cold for Jesus. This person is lukewarm for Jesus. This person is on fire for Jesus. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. But you would probably not show up at church if you knew that we were doing that, if that was a thing on days when you don't feel spiritually significant, spiritually on fire. Significance. Do you need to have a life of significance to uh, truly have success? I would say um, to be known to Jesus, to be significant in God's eyes. What if you're significant in Satan's eyes? What if Satan knew and the demons knew that you were all out for Jesus and that you were a spiritual warrior and that you were someone that was uh, really causing uh, Satan and his demons a lot of trouble? That'd be pretty amazing. That would be success, I guess. Legacy. My last one, legacy. Uh Leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy of your values to your kids or uh, leaving the family farm, leaving a legacy of um, your possessions, of your character, of the things that you taught. Um, do you want to leave a legacy? Do you want to leave a legacy to your coworkers? Do you want people to remember who you were and what you stood for after you die? Would that be success? I think all those things could be success. So number one, God's reliable design for getting what you plant. So uh, there is a law of sowing and reaping, uh, Galatians 6, 7, which is a great passage to look at. I don't have time to cover the whole passage. I'm just going to highlight this idea of planting seeds for the future harvest. But Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So if you're going to um, plant seeds of uh, sin, uh, you are going to harvest um, the sad, difficult, destructive, harsh rewards of that. But you could plant seeds of things that lead to good. I mean, for instance, if you want to be really good on the piano, you are going to have to plant the seeds of practice and learning, and then you will reap, hopefully you will reap, being a great musician that does a great job playing the piano. Uh, if you want to reap a fit body, you need to plant seeds of a... Uh, watchful diet, and physical exercise. Uh, those are things that you would need to plant if you want to harvest a fit body. All right, Proverbs 131 says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit in Galatians 6, 8. So uh, we need to um, live to please the Spirit in what we do, and that is a form of success. And as we are in, are we living in that, enjoying that, uh, God will bless our lives, and we'll be more satisfied in our lives. We'll be less likely to be depressed. We'll have hope for the future. We will be like a lighthouse that helps guide people in the storms of life. We will be uh, people that uh, can, God can use in difficult times. To live a godly life, to live a way that honors God, will bring joy to your life, will make your life um, pleasurable, will make it so that even when the days are hard and difficult, that you will have hope 
and you will be an encouragement to others. And that's something that we want. So what seeds are you planting? Think about that. Uh, again, I don't have time to uh, talk about all the different seeds we could plant and how you would uh, reap what you sow. But just think about that, pray about that, and try to plant some new seeds even now. A.W. Tozer, in the book, The Next Chapter After the Last, wrote about sowing and reaping. And I want to read that to you. Every man sows what he will later reap and reaps what he has previously sown. This is a law of life, says Paul, and we may as well know that we cannot beat it. God will not be mocked. Our today is bound to all our yesterdays, and our tomorrow will be the sum of our present and our past. We may sow to the flesh if we will. There will be no interference from above. Thus to sow is our privilege. If we want to reap the harvest of corruption, which must inevitably follow a harvest no man in his right mind could deliberately choose. No, the snare lies in choosing the pleasures of sowing with the secret hope that in some way we can escape the sorrows of the reaping. But never since the beginning of the world has it been possible to separate the one from the other. All right, number two. Number two, God will judge you based on how you live your life. Romans 2, 6. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. So God will judge you for the way that you live your life. God will judge you for uh, the things that you do. However, there is a way out uh, because really, um, no matter how good, if a gardener you are, no matter how good you are at planting seed and watering it, uh, when you plant Christian seed, you should water it with prayer, obviously. But no matter uh, how good you are, you will not be able to grow that stuff. Just like you really can't grow seed on your own unless God intervenes. Uh, you plant the seed and miraculously uh, it grows. God created it that way. But number three, God provided Jesus to remove our sins. John 3.36 Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's angry judgment. So you can um, live a life that honors God, but it is through not just doing good works or uh, planting all sorts of good seed. It is through believing upon Jesus, uh, like we talked about during the communion time, uh, placing your faith in Jesus and following after him and uh, living a life that uh, honors him, but truly trusting and putting your faith in Jesus. So um, God provided Jesus to remove our sins. Look at John chapter 3 today. Actually, if you read John 3, 16, it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal, everlasting life, eternal life. And then when you read further down, it says that if you don't believe on Jesus, then God's wrath still remains on you. So you want to read that in John chapter 3. Okay, number four. Number four, God expects us to share his eternal gift. So wouldn't it be selfish if we received Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he came into our life, that he gave us his Holy Spirit, that he adopted us as children of God, that he assured us of heaven, that he gave us a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts to accomplish his purposes? If uh, all of the, we received all these things and it was free and there was plenty more to go around for people that would believe on Jesus and we kept it to ourselves, that would be crazy. 
Can you imagine if we knew the cure, the true cure for the coronavirus, and we knew what it was, and we kept it to ourselves because we didn't want anybody else to have it? That would be crazy. So we pray for a cure. We look forward to a cure. We hope that there will be a cure found soon, or that it would just go away, and we could live our lives uh, the way or hopefully better than we were before, live our lives in a way that we can still get together with people and still be around people because um, I like being with people. And I think it's cool that we can have uh, Bible studies and meetings by Zoom, but I really don't like Zoom compared to being with real people. So I much prefer real people than this digital stuff. So I can't wait for us to meet together again. But God expects us to share his eternal gift, Romans 10, 11 to 14. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So we're like the first... uh, generation or whatever that is able to communicate digitally and actually uh, in a pandemic or when the whole world is locked down to be able to communicate with each other. Our uh, Church at Home Sunday uh, can be seen on YouTube and Facebook and on our website and it can be seen by people around the world and the audio will be uh, put out there so that uh, it can be heard by people around the world. So we can share. We can share in person. We can share online. We can share in our social networking groups on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on whatever you're on. You can share Jesus with others. You can be an encouragement to others. You can make a video of yourself and share your testimony. Again, I say this all the time, but I wish that you would do it. Uh, Make a video that says what your life was like before you came to Christ, how you got saved, and what your life has been like since. That would be a great video to share with other people. So, do people know that you're a Christ follower? Do people know that you are a resource to help them to live the Christian life? Do people know that you have resources that you can give them to help them live the Christian life? We still have a box full of New Believer New Testaments, and we ordered more of the um, Life Recovery Bibles. So uh, we want to share Bibles. We want to share Christ with people. So you pray about that. God expects you to share His eternal gift. It is a gift that keeps giving and giving. And when people receive that gift, it can change lives. So uh, plant seeds of Scripture. Plant seeds of God's Word. Uh, When you plant a tract or a Bible in someone's life, it can yield a great harvest. Number five, and this is so, so uh, realized or evident or true now. Number five, God has put a limit on our time. We only have so much time to do things. So Job 14.5, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. God has put a limit on our time. I mentioned this when this whole uh, coronavirus lockdown started, James 4.14. James writes, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. And Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. 
So we don't know how much time we have. Uh, wouldn't it be strange if this was it? That if this sickness, I don't think it will, but if this sickness like killed most of us and this was the end of our life, I mean, wouldn't it be sad to be told that uh, you only have two more weeks to live and you have to do it at home? Um, wouldn't it be great if you were told that uh, in two more weeks you're going to die comfortably in your sleep, sleep, so go have a good time and uh, get together with all the relatives and have a great big party with all your friends and go see the sights and rent a car or take a plane or whatever. Uh, in two weeks, you're going to be like Jesus. It's not going to hurt. It's going to be real comfortable, but go have a really fun time until that happens and uh, get your life in order. Um, that would be much better than, oh, I'm locked in my house. I'm not supposed to go anywhere. Even if I wanted to go somewhere, just about everything's closed anyway. So God has put a limit on our time. We don't know when the time is up. We think that we know when the time is up. We think that the seasons, as they are marked, are all going to be consistent. Uh, we live in Minnesota, so we know that's not true. But in other places, uh, like in the south or whatever, they experience a full spring and then summer and a beautiful autumn and a season of winter. Uh, in Minnesota, we uh, have a very cold winter, um, about five days of spring. Uh, then it gets super hot, buggy, and muggy for summer, and then autumn comes, and sometimes it gets confused with winter, but we don't really know as to how long our days will be or what our seasons will be like, but we need to do the best we can with each day that we have to honor and glorify God. Uh, maybe even to just realize that today is a good day, and I praise God for it. And I'm thankful that I have food to eat and a roof over my head and that I'm healthy. Uh, thank God for those types of things because you don't know about tomorrow. It always seems just like the weather that today might be sunny and tomorrow it might be stormy and lightning and tornadoes and cloudy. And then after that storm is over, then it's sunny and nice again. It's constantly storms in life. But we don't know on the seasons of our life which ones are going to last a long time. Number six, God wants you to be busy planting seeds for your future harvest. You know, you might be thinking that today is not a good day to plan for the future. Today is not a good day to think about a future harvest. I don't even know what my income is going to be. I don't even know if I'll go back to work. I don't even know if I have a job. I don't even know what's going to happen with the economy or the sickness or the schools or the kids or all that stuff. And um, But no, you should be thinking about the future. You should be planning for the future. You should be making some goals. You should be filling your days with good things. Um, I think about farmers, actually, that plant a bunch of seed in the spring, and then they take care of the weeds as the growing season continues. You know, they come to the summertime, and they, they're, like, watching their crops, and they're praying for enough rain and praying that it won't hail and uh, trying to keep the bugs off the crops, and they're doing all that they can to uh, keep the weeds out. And then they're also preparing for their harvest. They're getting their equipment ready. They're getting everything sharpened and cleaned up and ready to go for the harvest. And then they bring in their harvest, and then when the harvest is brought in and everything's put where it needs to be, then they are planning for the next harvest. They are buying seed. They are investing into the future. They are getting their equipment cleaned up and ready. They are doing all that they can for a future harvest. And so we need to be thinking about planting seeds for a future harvest. Ecclesiastes 11.4 Farmers who wait for a perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. 
plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both so be investing in the future be investing uh, your time your resources your talents into god's kingdom and into things that bring profit so invest into the future god wants you to be busy planting seeds for your future harvest if you wait for perfect conditions you will never get anything done it is not a perfect condition don't wait uh, work plan pray prepare for a great future I believe we're going to have a great future. I believe that eventually we're going to get past this. And actually, this might be a great time for lost people to get saved. God might be doing something amazing uh, in what we consider difficulty. All right, A for attitude. A, sowing the word of God with a broken heart for lost people and bringing in the harvest. In Psalm 126, 5, it says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Is your heart broken for lost people? Is that your motivation when you share your faith in Christ with other people? Is that you realize that they are eternally separated and lost, headed for hell, according to what the Bible says, if they don't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? If your heart is broken because you care and love them so much, those who plant seeds, the seed of the Word of God, plant tracts, plant Bibles, uh, plant scriptures into people's lives, uh, plant the seed of their testimonies into people's lives. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy because they'll be so excited. They'll be so happy. They will be delighted. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest because they're so joyful. A harvest of lost people getting saved, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of people that didn't know Jesus, and now they do because their efforts, their investment, their planting seed was successful and they are full of joy because they had a broken heart for lost people and they're praying for lost people and they uh, were burdened for lost people that they went out, actually planted those seeds leading to a great harvest. They watered those seeds with prayer. What a great thing. Uh, Luke 10 2, um, the harvest is great. But the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So pray for more workers to come alongside of you into the fields. Pray for more workers to come work with you. Um, but even if you feel like you're the only worker, keep being faithful. So uh, B, B, B is for belongings. <laughs> B, sowing financial seeds and increasing resources. 2 Corinthians 9.10 for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Why? Because you were faithful to give. You were faithful to share. You were faithful with your finances and you gave back to God. God loves a cheerful giver. You were generous. And because of your generosity, these people that received uh, what you gave are praising and glorifying God, and God is providing more seed for your future. You know, a farmer will not consume all of his seed. So a farmer, in the old days, a farmer would um, eat some seed, but then keep some seed for the future harvest and invest that. And we shouldn't consume all of our financial income. Instead, we should save some and we should give back. We should plant those seeds into God's kingdom and then God will provide even more. A great rule of thumb from what I understand is to take your paycheck and to give 10%, to save 10%, and then wisely use the other 80%. 
Um, or even better is to realize that everything comes from God. So look at your paycheck and see what you need to use for yourself and then invest the rest into um, God's kingdom and have some type of emergency savings just in case there's an emergency, like you can't go to work. And uh, like now, like now, everybody's going to be thinking about, oh, I hope that I have a better um, nest egg or uh, investment of uh, savings for uh, the future in case this uh, virus comes up again. Anyway, um, Proverbs 11:18. Evil, evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. So sowing financial seeds and increasing resources, God is the one who gives us the ability to gain, to get wealth. All right, number seven, and then I'm done. Number seven, God expects us to persevere to persevere. You know, it's easy to throw your hands up in the air and give up and quit and say, oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's so difficult. But no, Galatians 6, 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. I mean, just think about all these things that uh, you're praying for, that you're hoping for. Um, Maybe it's about to happen. Don't give up. So you're praying for that person that you love to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You keep praying. You keep working it through. And uh, don't give up. Maybe you think that the ministry that you're in, the ministry that you're serving in, is not worthwhile. Don't give up. I mean, just think of how much things have changed for us in the last month or two. Uh, Think about how much things can change in the future. Um, God can totally transform and change people's lives. Sometimes he does so really quickly. So God expects us to persevere and not give up. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So, all right, so next week is Mother's Day, and when we get together for Mother's Day, uh, I know that not everybody feels like they were a perfect mother. Not everybody had a perfect mother. Some people don't know who their mothers are. Some people have lost their mothers. Uh, Mother's Day is a great day for some and a really sad day for others. So our message, my message for next Sunday is hope. Find it, live it, share it. And yes, we'll talk about moms a bit, but it's not a Mother's Day message. However, we will highlight uh, the importance of Mother's and Mother's Day uh, in the video uh, because it's going to be Church at Home Sunday again, unless something changes. But um, anyway, so come back next week for hope. Find it, live it, and share it. And Pastor Dan is a hymn for us that he wants to share. And then I hope that you'll find this video worthwhile enough to want to share it with others this week. And when it's on audio, that you would share the podcast also. So you can help support our ministry by giving to riverrockchurch.com slash give. You can send your prayer request to riverrockchurch.com slash pray. And you can find more more information and resources um, for the Church at Home Sundays, including the children's bulletins and more songs to sing and things like that at riverrockchurch.com slash watch. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.